0: Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats. For another hour of the PFT Live podcast.
1: It's a Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. Hello again to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland and in Scotland and anywhere around the world watching the show on NBCSN or on Sky Sports. Big Cat is in on a Wednesday. Kind of a strange Wednesday vibe I'm used to having Sims. Sims is on vacation. Big Cat, good enough to adjust his schedule to come in and join us today. And uh, it's, it's good to know that when it comes to social media, you're basically 13 because you've spent the last 15 minutes just like furiously looking on social media to see what the reaction was to you wiping the floor with me on our Taysom Hill discussion.
0: Wait, furiously looking around social media, it's right in front of me. I just look at my mentions. People are buzzing about it. What do you want me to do, Mike? I thought this show was for the people. I thought we're doing this show not just so that you and I can talk once a week. We're doing it so that people can watch and interact. I'm interacting with the fans. I remember what the fans what it's like to be a fan. You clearly don't. So if I have to interact and let you know how the other half lives, I will do that and I will continue to do that and I won't apologize.
1: Oh, it's one thing for you to interact, with. and we can we have the receipts. We can play the tape of you with the phone. Oh, oh, this guy said this. Oh, you wiped yeah, the floor. You, I oh, would love look to at this. See it. Oh, I'm, look at that. Oh, there are plenty yeah. tweets. All right,
0: there are plenty yeah. tweets.
1: All right. Uh, we've got other things to discuss involving quarterbacks. It's kind of quarterback day today. We've discussed contract situations and Taysom Hill and Tom Brady and Dak Prescott, but th- there are some injured quarterbacks that still. Intend to contribute in the National Football League. And there are three names that really jump off the page. Cam Newton, who we have discussed because his future in Carolina is murky at best. Ben Roethlisberger, who we haven't discussed. He only played a game and a half of a game at most week two against the Seahawks before his elbow was shot for the entire season. And Alex Smith, who nearly died from a staph infection that went septic in 2018, he is healthy. He wants to play. Ron Rivera, the coach in Washington, has said, don't rule out Alex Smith. So of those three guys, Cam Newton, Alex Smith, Ben Roethlisberger, which would you want? Would you want any of them? Would you want more than one? Which guys would you want from Newton, Smith, and Roethlisberger in 2020, Big Cat?
0: So is the question, uh, I have franchise X, or is it which do I want in their current situation? Because Roethlisberger is the answer in that situation, because he's the one guy who is going to be, you know, going back to something he knows. He's going to be going back to a team that has a fantastic defense that's going to put him in a spot to be successful. He doesn't have to win all the games for him. So that's the answer there. If it's, Actually, you know what? That's the answer for both ways. I would take Roethlisberger just for next year because I still don't know what's going on with Cam Newton. And Alex Smith, we haven't seen him play in a year and a half, so that is a complete unknown. So, yeah, my answer is Roethlisberger both at the Steelers or if you're just saying in a vacuum, pick a guy. All right.
1: My concern with Roethlisberger is that his injury last year wasn't the result of any specific injury. It just was – Apparently overuse. And when Chris Sims was at training camp and interviewed Roethlisberger, and, and you've seen him before with the ice pack on every joint, he had a giant ice pack on his elbow. And uh, and Sims was a little alarmed by it because he really hadn't thrown that much that day. And Sims talked to him about what he does in the offseason by way of throwing. He doesn't do all that much. I mean, and, and look, I, I know I'm going to get uh, some feedback from people close to Roethlisberger who aren't going to appreciate this comment, but when you look at Tom Brady... You think this is a guy who does everything he can to extend his career as deep into his 40s as possible. When you look at Ben Roethlisberger, you see a guy who, and perception is reality. You see a guy who's eating pork rinds and watching bowling in the offseason. And when it's time to go play football, he grabs a football and he grabs his cleats and he goes to the training camp. I mean, and I know he, he does more than that. But you, you, you know, there's a chance his body is in the process of breaking down, especially when you consider. All the abuse he took, all, all those plays he extended, all those hits he absorbed. No, even if he is working out like Tom Brady and eating avocado ice cream and all of that stuff, I, I just feel like the the you know the 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 car is falling apart for Ben Roethlisberger, and the first major uh, issue is the elbow. And when he comes back from the elbow, I'm concerned it's going to be something else. That's my concern with Roethlisberger.
0: Okay, it's a fair concern, totally fair concern. Uh, I guess my counterpoint would be he is a guy who has played through a bunch of injuries. You know his toughness. You know that he can play through something that's nagging. And if he got surgery, you would hope that that elbow is now fixed. So it's almost better than playing with an elbow that hurts all the time and refusing surgery. I mean, at the point where modern medicine can fix something like an elbow like that, I would take my chances with a repaired elbow in Ben Roethlisberger versus a complete unknown in Alex Smith and a partial unknown in Cam Newton. At least Ben Roethlisberger, you know what the problem was. He got it fixed, and you can hope that he can be back and even, you know, 85 90% of what he was before he got hurt, which he was having a decline anyway. Like, that was already starting. But if you look at what the Steelers have around him and you look at the defense – I don't think they need hero Ben Roethlisberger anymore. They don't need 5,000-yard Ben Roethlisberger. They need a guy who can make plays and be competent. Look at what the Steelers did last year where they were still in the fight in mid-December with two quarterbacks they didn't believe in whatsoever. If they got just average play from either Duck Hodges or uh, Mason Rudolph, they would have been in the playoffs. They would have been in the playoffs. So that's what you're hoping for with Ben Roethlisberger next year, and I think you'll get it. And they, they've
1: talked, their owner has, Art Rooney, about adding a running back or a receiver in free agency because they recognize no Le'Veon Bell, no Antonio Brown. It's a different offense. And I don't rule out yep. the possibility of them trading for Le'Veon Bell Oh, because they were, they were one of the teams that contacted the Jets prior to the trade deadline. People were shocked by that. Le'Veon Bell said it himself multiple times, and it wouldn't shock me if they, if they go ahead and bite the bullet, pay him $13.5 million for 2020. That's what he's due to make this year, and bring him back home and let him play with Big Ben and load up the cannon and try to get the number seven.
0: What about Antonio Brown? I thought that's what you were going to say because I wouldn't be shocked. That is the only place I see Antonio Brown going, and I know it sounds crazy right now, but think about it this I- way. Mike Tomlin – you know, I criticized Mike Tomlin a couple years ago when I, when it, you know, there was Facebook Lives going on in the locker room and everyone was fighting each other. And I said Mike Tomlin has kind of lost control of this. Looking back now, with everything that's happened since that point, it's actually the opposite. Mike Tomlin did a masterful job of keeping everyone on the same page and keeping a very combustible locker room together through some crazy years and Mike Tomlin is the one guy who knows Antonio Brown better than anyone else right now and can maybe speak to Antonio Brown and get through to Antonio Brown on a different level and the Steelers say to themselves you know what let's sign him let's sign him for basically nothing if he if the first sign that he is not all in he's gone we don't care but let's try that out i don't you see a world that could happen
1: There's a lot of damage that would have to be undone between Brown and Roethlisberger. And I don't know how charitable Roethlisberger is willing to be. When Brown last year was trying to tweet his way out of Pittsburgh, he he did a couple of things. He liked a couple of tweets that brought up Ben Roethlisberger's off-field history. And I think at times when Brown has been trying to reconcile this purgatory the NFL has put him in, this de facto unpaid suspension while the league drags its feet either because it has to or because it chooses to on investigating Antonio Brown I think there's been some things Brown has said about Ben's history and and Ben's not going to forget that so that's going to have to be undone then you have Juju Smith-Schuster right who was who was the guy that sparked the Antonio Brown meltdown what kind of relationship are they going to have so I don't know that you bring Antonio Brown back to Pittsburgh, and I think Antonio Brown has a lot of work to do to get back in the NFL at all. I'm not going to trust him until I know that he's gotten the help that he needs, and there's nothing wrong with needing help, but when when we talked to Juju uh, Super Bowl week, and I said, look, you saw him, you you know what was going on in the locker room and on the practice field, is what we're witnessing now over the past year different or the same as what you experienced? He said, no, this is different. I'm concerned, you're concerned, we're all concerned. Those concerns have to be addressed before he's gonna end up anywhere Big Cat.
0: And with all that said, Mike, and I agree with everything you said, what have we learned about the NFL and how teams operate when they see a piece out there that could possibly take them over the top? And they say to themselves, you know what? We can fix this guy. We can make sure this guy buys in. They do it time and time again because that allure of talent is there with Antonio Brown. And if they sit there and they say to themselves, This is maybe you know one, two, three more years with Ben Roethlisberger, and Antonio Brown could possibly take us to that promised land one more time. I think the risk is is worth it there, and I think a lot of NFL teams think exactly that way.
1: Well, he's going to have to make some serious amends, and it's going to have to be real, and it's going to have to be believable, not just by fans, not just by coaches. But former teammates in Pittsburgh are going to need to believe that this is a real atonement, a real apology, and uh, I think that's going to be a big factor in it. I'm not going to rule out anything because in the NFL you can't. But uh, I, I I think it's a long shot. Let me let me talk about Cam Newton for a second though, because Cam Newton is significantly younger than Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, a healthy Cam Newton is still a franchise quarterback. A healthy Cam Newton is a tremendous weapon running and throwing the football. He is a giant. It is scary when you see Cam Newton. He's so much bigger than you expect. I, I, I look, if, if, if he's healthy, this is the guy I want out of the three. Because when he's healthy, he's MVP Cam from 2015. He just hasn't been healthy since then.
0: Well, he hasn't been healthy since then. And the style of his game will probably keep getting you know injuries because he plays a physical brand of football. And when Cam Newton is his absolute best, he has that threat of being able to beat you with his feet and his arm. I just think back, Mike, to that game against the Bucks. I think it was week two, Thursday night football. And he was just missing guys left and right. And there were easy throws. And to me, that says that his shoulder is still not okay. It was when his
1: foot was jacked up. His foot was messed up.
0: But his he shoulder, too. Right, his foot, but his shoulder, too. And, like, there's been too many injuries. And the, the, the sad part about this is that – You know, at least the shoulder injury, that happened when he was throwing from the pocket. So that wasn't even a Cam Newton out in the open type of situation. I just know that Cam Newton at his best, the 2015 Cam Newton you just mentioned, that is a guy who can beat you both ways and is an unbelievable player. And, yeah, would I take a risk if I were a team trying to find that franchise quarterback that Cam Newton can reclaim what he used to be? Of course I would take that risk. But if you're asking me right now, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Like, I'd lean no that he's, you know, he might have a couple of good years left, but being that guy, the MVP guy, I don't think that guy's coming back.
1: Let me throw one more in here that we haven't discussed because we've kind of forgotten about him, even though he's had a great career and even though his injury is one that should be healed without lingering questions. Matthew Stafford,
0: would you want him? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big Matthew Stafford believer. Uh, my problem with Matthew Stafford right now is that back injury scares me because he is – Matthew Stafford is one of the toughest guys in the NFL. I think we can both agree on that. He starts through a lot of injuries. He starts with bad offensive lines. He's been through an absolute, you know, battle when it comes to his NFL career. Last year, knowing that he couldn't play, knowing it was a back injury and it was a little bit murky how it all went down – that raises a big red flag because Matthew Stafford's not the type of guy to sit out games. So he really has to be hurt and back injuries don't just go away. They're not something that you can just fix. you know it's not an ACL. It's not even you know, a broken bone. A back injury can stick with you forever. So that one concerns me, although I am a big Matt Stafford fan and I do think he is a lot better than people give him credit for.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think that with enough time, Working with Matt Patricia, as they get more guys there that they that they believe fit the culture they're trying to change, your Bears are going to have to worry about the, the Lions. The Vikings and the Packers are going to have to worry about the Lions. Now, I don't know. It's felt that way for the past 40 years, and it's never happened. But I, I feel like Stafford's still got some good years left. And if he's healthy, uh, I, they, they may be close to finally making some, something happen in Detroit. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, But we've allowed ourselves to think so many times that they're close to making something happen. But I think Stafford is better than he gets credit for. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe he's the one out of the four that we would take. Let's take a break because there is a quarterback who is available to any team that would like to sign him. That's Phillip Rivers. I want to talk to Big Cat about whether or not he'd like to see Phillip Rivers wearing dark blue, not powder blue. We'll discuss that when PFC Live continues right after this.
0: Shoot! out, shoot. We we know. I mean, you know, shoot. Well, I, you shoot! I tell you. Shoot! I mean, shoot. I, well, shoot! 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 I don't care if you hand to I me. Mean. Just kind of like, hey, shoot! I'd
1: have been saying, shoot! Shoot! I had no doubt. I was like, Dad shoot! We're gonna let's get better. Shoot! The defense stepped up big. I said, shoot! Let's go. Shoot, Dad Gummit Golly! Philip Rivers, no longer playing for the Chargers, will be a free agent March 18. Can sign with anyone and. I do a couple of spots every week on the score in Chicago. And one of the first things they asked me yesterday morning Phillip Rivers to the Bears. They're looking for a Mitchell Trubisky replacement. Your thoughts, Big Cat, on the possibility of an upgrade in the form of Phillip Rivers over Mitchell Trubisky for 2020.
0: Okay, so I don't know if this is all the way an upgrade. And I like Phil Rivers, but we watched Phil Rivers last year. And I, you know, Mitch Trubisky was not good last year. That's not what I'm saying. But this is a a precarious situation. The Bears are in a weird spot because they have to say that they're all in on Mitch Trubisky. They have to say he's the starting quarterback next year. I know that they're going to want to bring in some kind of competition, but you can't bring in a guy who will demand to be the starting quarterback and then completely flush down Mitch Trubisky. I I mean, obviously you can, but don't you think that the Bears are in a spot where they box themselves in with just – where they picked Mitch Trubisky, what they've said about him, the fact they went to the playoffs you know, two years ago, that they can't bring in a guy who's going to demand to be the starting quarterback. And I don't see Philip Rivers going anywhere where he is not the guaranteed starting quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. When you still have the same general manager who made the trade from three to two to get Mitchell Trubisky and not Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, you've got to continue to ride with this guy. You can't put him on the bench. You have to hope that, that uh, it'll turn around and it'll be more like 2018 than it was in 2019. So I agree with you. It becomes a tough sell for Ryan Pace. Now for Matt Nagy, he may think, hey, I just want to win football games and I get a savvy veteran like Phillip Rivers who will understand my offense. What? Is he not a savvy veteran? No, this graphic. Oh, 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 yes. The 2017 draft first round quarterbacks, Trubisky, Mahomes, Watson. Pick number two, Trubisky. But hey, the 49ers could have had Mahomes as well. They passed on him. Does that help? Probably not. But uh, look, here's the thing with Trubisky. They do have to give him, I think, one more year. And you can't just rip the ball out of his hands and make Philip Rivers a starter. And you touched on the point that Peter King and I discussed yesterday. I don't know that there's a team out there that says to Philip Rivers, You're the guy, without question. We're not going to draft anybody who may supplant you in November. You don't have to compete with anybody. You're the quarterback, barring injury or some other complete and total disaster, week one through week 17, and the contract proves it. $27 million, $28 million, something like that that makes it clear you're the guy. I don't know that there's a team that's going to do it. Maybe Carolina, if they do trade Cam Newton. Maybe the Titans, if they would lose Ryan Tannehill, although I don't think they're going to. Maybe Tampa Bay if they decide to move on from the Jameis Winston experience. But I'd take Winston over Phillip Rivers, Big Cat. Uh, I, I just don't know that there's going to be a team that clearly and unequivocally makes Phillip Rivers their guy. And I especially don't think it'll be the Bears.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm going through, like, the progressions in my head saying who who would be that team. And I don't really see it. But you know what? You know what? I'll throw out one team that's going to be interesting what they do uh, this offseason. How about the Indianapolis Colts? Are they totally sold on Jacoby Brissett? Or do they bring in someone else and say, hey, we're going to give a shot. You know, you guys got to compete for the job.
1: Well, they've got Brissett signed for at least one more year. I'm pulling up his contract now. He is signed through 2020, $6 million salary, $8.875 million roster bonus. Uh, They've also got Brian Hoyer under contract as well. But I think Phillip Rivers... Possibly, yeah, but possibly an upgrade there. What about New England if if Tom Brady leaves, right? It's, and and I, think, I think, listen, I think Philip Rivers' best play may be to just wait because we, we assume this game of musical chairs is going to result in quarterbacks being left over looking around saying, where's my job? There's a chance there's going to be teams when the dust settles saying, where the hell's my quarterback? And that may be when Philip Rivers swoops in and finds that spot where he's the week one
0: through week 17 starter. It is going to be fascinating because the quarterback carousel, we haven't seen anything like this particular year with Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott possibly, Phil Rivers, Joe Burrow and Tua coming into the league. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking at Jacoby Preset's contract. He's got $7 million that
1: becomes fully guaranteed on March 22. Um, uh, they paid him $20 million guaranteed already. They could escape the contract, though, if they decide to move on from where they could just keep him. It's not that expensive. Keep him and get Phillip Rivers. That could happen. We'll be right back. Buster Douglas dropping the puck last night in his hometown of Columbus, Ohio, for the Blue Jackets. Buster Douglas, 30 years ago yesterday, shocked the world, knocking out the invincible Mike Tyson. And those are the images we saw on Sports Center at the time. Remember, he didn't have the rights, so all he could do was flash the still frame. A lot. I still don't believe it when I see it now. That's Mike Tyson from Punch Out. That's the guy you couldn't beat. He got beat by Buster Douglas. And so today's draft, inspired by the 30-year anniversary of Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson in Tokyo, the draft, the best knockouts of the 2019 season. I've got the trivia question for Big Cat. If he gets it right, he gets the first pick. Okay. So, Buster Douglas, after beating Mike Tyson to become the heavyweight champion of the world, he would lose the belt later that year in his very first title defense. Who beat Buster Douglas in his one and only fight as the heavyweight champion?
0: Was it Evander Holyfield? Well done. Got it. Yeah, because it was supposed to be Mike Tyson versus Vander Holyfield. That was supposed to be the big fight, and it didn't happen. Uh, you know, when both were in their prime, because of this loss, and then Mike Tyson went to jail.
1: Yes, and then Mike Tyson was never quite the same. But, and it's amazing. He was. I, it, it was almost no fun to watch him. I remember the Michael Spinks fight, Ju- uh, June of 1988. And, and I almost thought about it. Those were back in the days when I had no money at all. I almost thought about like going to that. Because you, you could go to an arena and pay to watch it on closed-circuit TV. It lasted 90 seconds. Best money I never spent. So that's how dominant he was. It was no fun. He destroyed everybody. Yeah. And then Buster Douglas came along. All right, you get the first pick. Best knockouts of the 2019 NFL season.
0: Okay, best knockouts of the 2019 uh, NFL season. I guess I'll just start with the most shocking knockout, the knockout that took the best team in the league during the regular season out of the playoffs, the Baltimore Ravens 14-2 playing at home against the Tennessee Titans team with Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback. Could you imagine, like, week six, having that statement said to you that the Baltimore Ravens are going to lose as the one seed to Ryan Tannehill and the Titans, but it happened, and it was crazy, and it was shocking. And, you know, ten-and-a-half-point favorites were the Ravens, and everyone thought that they were this unstoppable offense, and what a game plan by Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans to keep Lamar Jackson, you know, in the pocket. He threw it, what, 50-plus times? Just a great game plan, and they took their shots, and they used Derrick Henry, and that was the shocking knockout of the season.
1: Yeah, the only one of the teams with a bye this year to lose in that divisional round. It it seems to happen, you know, like one a year. Uh, For a while, it was 50-50 proposition. More recently, those teams with the byes have won. So that made it even more stunning that the Ravens, who seem to be the team of destiny, could not get past the Tennessee Titans. And what an AFC championship game that would have been between the Ravens and the Chiefs. I'm going to go one week earlier. Because I was on record saying you can't kill the Terminator. There's no way the Titans are going to go up to New England and end the Patriots' run. They've been in the AFC Championship game every year since 2011. They're not going to get knocked out in the wild card round. They're not going to lose at home to the Titans. And the Titans went in there on a Saturday night and they they terminated the Terminator. They took down the New England Patriots. And look, it was a close game. Uh, it was a, it was a, it easily could have gone either way, but the Titans held it together. The Titans came out of there with the win, and it's one of those that uh, I look. I, I admit I was wrong, and I still would pick the Patriots if they were playing again because we've seen what the Patriots can do in those single elimination settings, which I think made what the Titans
0: did even more impressive. Okay, Mike, decent pick, but I have a better pick because I'm going to go one week earlier from that. And the Miami Dolphins beating the Patriots in Foxborough week 17 as 17-point 17 underdogs or whatever it was. Absolutely stunning loss. The Patriots never lose games like that. They never, ever, ever lose games like that. Tom Brady's record at home is eye-popping. And Brian Flores and Ryan Fitzpatrick coming to Foxborough. They beat the Patriots. And what did that do? Oh, how about decided the entire playoff picture and how everything would unfold because if the Patriots win that game, they have a bye. They don't lose to the Titans. Your knockout punch uh, pick, which was a bad pick now that I'm saying it out loud. They lo- They don't lose to the Titans. They get a bye. They get a home f- home game You know against maybe the Chiefs who they would play for the second time or whoever else. Then they maybe go to Baltimore and play the Ravens for a second time. Bill Belichick playing teams a second time. The Patriots could be sitting there in Miami looking at Super Bowl number 7 instead they lose to Ryan Fitzpatrick and everything else changes and everything else changes for the Chiefs who they get home field you know home field advantage throughout the playoffs with the Ravens losing to the Titans that was the butterfly effect moment that was the sliding doors moment that was the knockout punch of 2019
1: See, now, I'm not going to be a jerk like you and just say I don't like your pick. I actually do like that pick. It's okay. We're allowed to cooperate here. It's okay to try to get along. I will say (laughs) this, though.
0: You're not going to like my third pick if if that's
1: that's what you're thinking. I I don't like any of these picks from this perspective. None of the coaches of any of these teams we've discussed got literally knocked out as a result of the knockout punch. So I'm going to go a week earlier than week 17. I'm going to go to week 16, when the Cowboys and the Eagles got together for what became the knockout punch for America's team. The Cowboys, all the hype. They started 3-0. and They're destined to make it to the playoffs. And then when it was clear that their division is basically four crap teams and all you have to be is the best of four crap teams. all the Cowboys are going to win the division. No chance the Eagles are going to come back and win this division. No way. All Dallas and Philadelphia. Cowboys got this. No big deal. Cowboys win it. Cowboys win the division. And the Eagles took them down. And Jason Garrett paid for it with his job. That is a knockout
0: from 2019. Okay, good pick, Mike. Good pick. I'm going to compliment you. That's a good pick. My third pick is comes. actually me it comes. throwing it to myself because we did this draft all year round. We don't have the package. But my third pick is just me going against you in these drafts, the Mike Florio getting knocked out week after week after week. Credit to you, Mike, for getting up. Here, you know what? Because you're going to say this is not a real third pick. I'll give you a slash here, and I'll give you a real third pick and my draft beating you every single week. How about the knockout punch Phil Rivers landed on Chris Jones? How about that? A literal knockout punch. Do we have That the was clip? a rabbit punch. <laughs> <laughs> that was look, look a literal knockout punch. Tape.
1: Hey, wait, here's the thing. Did, did, is there is there like a, a package of like a montage of you like like being a jerk to me during the drafts that was set up ahead of time that they were supposed to play
0: is that yeah, what you're saying you No know, what happened was and I, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus because everyone behind the scenes does a great job there was so there was so much footage of me wiping the floor with you they didn't know what to do with it they had to wheel I, it I, out I, like Steve I've Sable betrayed. in the old school NFL films they had to wheel it out and it was like, what do we do with this? There's so much. The anthology is so large. So that was what I happened. just want to register my objection. I was oh.
1: betrayed by this. No one told me about this. The control room has gone rogue. We got it. We got it ready. Let's go. Let's with run With my mortal enemy. I Here it, it is. written
0: down. I didn't put it out there, Mike, because I didn't want to beat you too bad. That's actually a great pick because... You know, I, I they're, all the they're all great picks. They're all great Oh, yeah, I had Byron Wizard White. Yeah, Mike. No, this is such a bad pick. How do we do the rest of this draft? Because I just checkmated you. Stats, he's on the ropes, he's cut. This is sad. I won this draft. There it is. The knockout That punch wasn't that a very good montage. Living. Again, you knocked yourself out with so that much. montage. There's so much that they could use. And then uh, slash uh, Philip Rivers punching Chris Jones. So that's my third pick. Uh,
1: Here's mine. Here's mine. Now, where did the Buster Douglas-Mike Tyson fight happen?
0: Japan. Tokyo.
1: Overseas. Wasn't in the United States. So I'm going to go overseas for my next knockout punch. And it was fairly early in the season, but it was the moment that we could become confident that a certain defending division champion was fraudulent. It was when the then Oakland Raiders defeated the Chicago Bears in London. And we were stunned at the time. How could the Bears lose to the lowly Raiders? The Bears are good. Well, we would later find out the Bears weren't good. But at that moment, at that moment, right, the Bears were a little Mike Tyson-y before then. But then the Raiders were Buster Douglas overseas, wrong direction, but overseas, and they knocked out the Bears. And that's when we first were on notice that maybe the Bears weren't going to be very good this year. Do you like that one?
0: You just called the Bears defending champs. I appreciate that.
1: (laughs) You did. Division champs.
0: Division champs. Yeah, no, that's a good pick, Mike. Good pick. That game still frustrates the heck out of me. Uh, But I think that was one of those ones where, unlike Mike Tyson, where he was a deserved champion for many years, it probably showed more flaws in what the Bears are than being an aberration loss.
1: Well, and that's really the question for me for the Bears in 2020. Which team is going to show up, the team that won the division or the team that uh, couldn't get out of its own way for most of 2019? We're going to get out of the way for a few minutes. Let's recap the draft first. Big Cat's got the Titans eliminating the Ravens from the playoffs as his first-round pick, the (laughs) Dolphins beating the Patriots Week 17 to keep them out of their bye, him dominating me in every draft of the year. That was a shock. I'm shocked that he would wedge that in. Rivers hitting Chris Jones, which was far from a knockout. Titans defeating Patriots is my first-round pick. That was in the wild-card round of the playoffs. Eagles over the Cowboys Week 16 to knock them out of the NFC East. And then the Raiders exposing the Bears as the frauds they were by beating them in London. All right. When we return, Big Cat has not yet shared with us his thoughts on the XFL from Week 1. We talked about it Friday, what we were expecting. We'll get Big Cat's recap of XFL week one and some thoughts from me as well. When PFT live continues right after this, the XFL made its return this weekend. Kind of it's completely different league than the one that debuted in 2001 and lasted one season. I watched three of the four games, not all of them, not every minute. I love the kickoff big cat. It looks like electric football. When you have 10 guys on the 30 and 10 guys on the 35 standing still while the ball is in the air. And then they all start moving once the re- returner catches it. And it's also a much safer play because you don't have guys running full speed at each other, concussing themselves or breaking their necks, which has happened with kick returns. But, you know, I, look, it, it did well. 3.3 million watched it on ABC on Saturday. 2.5 million watched it on, on ESPN on Sunday. I, I just, you know, is it sustainable? The point that you made last week, once we get into March Madness, once we get into NFL free agency, once baseball is back, once basketball NBA style starts to heat up, hockey playoffs roll around. Will it be forgotten? Will it just be a curiosity, or will it have a footing?
0: Right, I agree with you there, and uh, because it's my own point, that's why I'm agreeing with you. Uh, I just realized that we're we're at the end of it. Sounded really smart what you said, and then I realized you were just quoting me. But I watched it, Mike. I watched most of the games. It's okay. Like I, I liked it. It was better than the AAF. It's not NFL, and I don't think it's ever going to be the NFL. And that's really what it comes down to me uh, is that the rules are great. I, I, I love that the NFL will be forced to adapt to some of these rules. You mentioned the kickoff rule. I also really, really enjoyed the three-point rule because it feels like teams are still in it. You know what I mean? When you're down 17 points, it's still a two-score game. That adds a little intrigue to the whole you know affair. My problem is – not only the schedule of, hey, when other sports get kicking, when playoffs come for the NBA and March Madness, all this, you're going to be tuned into that. It's just the quality of play is never going to be the NFL. Just watching, doing this show for the last two hours, watching Cam Newton highlights, watching, uh, you know, whoever, who, who else we show? Phil Rivers highlights, watching Dak Prescott highlights. You realize the quality of the play in the NFL is at such a level And to take a step back and watch quarterbacks that can't make it in the NFL, and a lot of them have tried and failed, it's just a different football. It's just not the same level. So, while I'll probably continue to watch, I won't invest a super large amount of time into it, knowing that at the end of the day, if there's March Madness on, I'm probably going to be watching March Madness. No, I will be watching March Madness.
1: The star of the week for week one was P.J. Walker, who used to be known as Philip Walker, who had three – pre-seasons with the Colts, never played in a regular season game, never made it to the 53-man roster. He was the best player this past weekend, at least as it relates to the award that they gave out. He had four touchdown passes for the Houston Roughnecks in their 37-17 win over the L.A. Wildcats. Oh, my God, how do I remember the score of that game? And the scoring wasn't as much as really I thought it would be. And I don't like the fact that they've got the three levels of extra point and they always go for one. I Not know. for one from the I, two. Go for two from the five at a minimum. Mike,
0: Mike, it's so funny. When you watch the XFL, that that hit me right away, where you have a bunch of guys who are coaching, who are cast off, who are maybe trying to get back in the NFL. Kevin, Kevin Gilbride, you know, cast off in 2013. Mark Trestman, fired by the Bears. He obviously was with the Ravens for a little bit, then in the CFL. But for the majority of the guys who are coaching outside of maybe Bob Stoops, they did. They didn't willingly walk away from the NFL or high-level college football. It was their time, so they're all trying to get back into this high-level football, the NFL. And you'd think the way to get back into it is to be aggressive, to to throw it down the field, to go for three, for go for it on fourth down. Yet the inner football guy comes over and they say we got to do the most conservative thing possible. It's crazy. It's It's actually like a, a, a great sociological. Uh, or psychological experiment to watch football guys trying to get back to where they once were and doing it with the most conservative route they can possibly take.
1: And and it's ridiculous because, look, I understand coaches don't like to do the unconventional thing. If you do the conventional thing and it doesn't work, then nobody can criticize you. You do something unconventional, you get criticized. There's no convention. This right. is all new. They right. all should just have agreed, we're just going to go for two. Let The, 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 the default is we're going to go for two. We'll go for one if it's a tie game. Even then, don't you want a little more space? Hell, I'd put it at the 10 every time and go for three.
0: Give me yeah. a little room to work with down here. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure someone will do an analytical deep dive into the XFL, and you should go for three every single time. It's awesome. Do it.
1: Here's another point that Peter King and I made earlier this week. The D.C. Defenders had 17,000 people and change in a 20,000-seat stadium. It felt like an exciting game. The New York Guardians had 17,000 and change in 82,000-seat MetLife Stadium. It felt like a an, an empty venue. And th- Why don't they have all these teams playing in 20,000-seat stadiums? I mean, I know that at some level you want to say, well, if this really takes off, we don't want to be capped at 20,000. But to get started for the first year or two, you need to be realistic about how many people are going to show up. And the, you know, if you get seventeen thousand week one, who's going to be there week eight or nine? And and it just looks awful on TV to have those the upper deck completely empty in all of these stadiums, playing stadiums that
0: don't have an upper deck. I agree. I agree. And there's a lot of MLS stadiums out there, and a lot of them are built to twenty thousand capacity. I agree. The DC defenders game felt different than the other games because you felt like you were watching a packed house and people were very invested. Also, Cardell Jones is another reason why you need some big names. And I know, you know, we've seen the Colin Kaepernick news the last couple of days about how he wanted a lot of money, which he should have because he's an NFL, you know, quarterback. But how about uh, you know Johnny Manziel or Tim Tebow? Like Getting these type of names, these big names, would make more people tune in. I tuned in on Saturday because I wanted to see how Cardell Jones is doing. I wanted to see, hey, why isn't this worked out? Because I always thought Cardell Jones was a good quarterback and his run at Ohio State was incredible. So those type of names are very important to keep people invested and keep people wanting to tune in and seeing how these players are doing.
1: If you were Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback who can't enter the NFL draft until April of 2021, what would it take? How much money would it take to get you to leave Clemson and play in the XFL? And knowing that you can do it this season and next season, how much per year?
0: I would do it for 40 million dollars. 40? Oh my
1: God. Yeah.
0: Well, just, ask just, yourself this, Mike: What's his insurance? It's Ten games. I know, but what's his buy insurance policy? Okay, he already has an insurance policy, and then what will he make guaranteed, being the number one pick in the NFL draft?
1: Between 35 and 40 million on a four-year deal.
0: All right, so I do, yeah, 40 million.
1: I think I think he'd do it for less than. I think 39. I think he could get him for 39. Well, I anchor the negotiation
0: at 40. So I think between five and
1: 10 million. He's still going to play at Clemson for free. He's going to play 15 more games at Clemson for free. Why not play pay, uh, play 20 at the XFL and make $20 million? All right, million 45. 45, Done. you got yourself a Do it, Vince McMahon. Get out of here. Everybody have a great day. See you Thursday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.